0: To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. The available AKG 36-speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360-degree sound. Not just here, or here, but everywhere. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe.
1: Welcome back to Uncle Sam's American Soccer Podcast. If you haven't already... Be sure to go back and listen to myself, Stephen Jadrien, and our guest Joseph Lowry talking about the U.S. Men's National Team training camp, the U.S. Men's National Team as a whole. You can follow me on Twitter at Armancafi. You can follow Stephen Jadrien at Twitter at Stephen Jadrien, and you can follow Joseph Lowry, our special guest from The Athletic, on Twitter at Joe and Cleats. Let's jump into the episode. <laughs> So we just got done talking about the U.S. Men's National Team in our last episode. Now we're going to talk about everyone's favorite league. Come on. Come on. You guys got to say with me. All right. Say Major League Soccer. Come on. One, One two, three. Indian Super Major... League. Major League oh Soccer. Oh, my God. What the? Indian Super League? <laughs> you not even watched the Indian Super League. I have. You've never watched the Indian Super League. <laughs> yes, I have. No,
2: you haven't. I've watched two minutes. You've watched
1: probably two minutes at yeah, <laughs> ESPN Plus because you're bored at like 6 a.m. Because yep. I've done the same thing, <laughs> I think we all have. It, I, I, yeah, it's not good soccer, but on, on this, actually, on a
2: side note, guys, where does Major League Soccer rank as far as the World Leagues? I wow, really think a, a question like that, like right off the bat, man. No, but like, has, has it changed the last couple of years, or are we still bubbling on the same as it was three or four years ago?
1: Oh, it's changed, I mean. Come on, with a team like Atlanta United coming in with their fun, entertaining football, their loud their loud crowd, and the players that are now coming to MLS, is definitely changed perception-wise.
3: I think perception-wise, it probably is starting to change. I'm not convinced on the whole it's necessarily risen a whole lot in terms of other leagues, but I'm optimistic that it, it is slowly changing and definitely will rise.
2: Yeah, yeah, remember. no, I think, uh, you're right there. I think on the club level, like individual clubs, it cha- it's completely different from Atlanta to Colorado to the Revs to LAFC to Seattle and TFC. Like, you know, every club is on its own level and discussion for another day. I, just, I thought I'd throw that out there since we're talking about the Indian Super League. Now listeners, we're chatting about the philosophy of MLS draft. And then we're going to get into a different philosophical issue of FC Dallas versus the Atlanta United model. So we'll, we'll talk about that, but let's get to the draft. Now, Armand, you have really awesome feelings about MLS draft, don't you?
1: I hate MLS draft. But I I think yesterday, uh, well, we're recording this on, what, Thursday? So on Wednesday we saw a trade uh, happen between the Philadelphia Union and FC Cincinnati. Uh, the Union, basically, Union Sporting Director Ernst Tanner came in, looked, at, went to the combine, and said, "Yeah, we're not going to get any of the guys. We don't, we only think two or three guys are going to really be good for developmental purposes. So we're not we're we're not going to pick." And he traded all their draft picks to FC Cincinnati for a grand total of one hundred fifty thousand dollars in uh, ge- uh, general allocation money, or as we call it, GAM on this show. Uh, they had a 13th overall pick and then you know some other irrelevant picks in there. And Tanner was quoted in, uh, I'm referring to an article on Pro Soccer USA. You can read my stuff there as well. Um, <laughs> sorry, I to threw a plug in there. I had to. Uh, he said the level of MLS has increased a lot, and I think that the level of the universities has been more or less the same. There's quite a big gap. Of what I've seen, there are a lot of players who are quite okay for the USL level, but doesn't make us better in MLS. Uh, I think Stephen, Jake, and I had a good discussion about this uh, off the mic, and I'll bring it to you, uh, bring it to you all in a second. But Joseph, what do you think of the draft as a whole? It seems like it's losing relevance year in and year out. We, we've we're hearing reports that values for draft picks are lowering. I think the value for a draft pick last year was around you know. Six digits, but the union trade all their picks for 150000 uh, $150, dollars in jug allocation money, so it seems to have gone down a little bit, but
3: overall it's, it's, do you think the draft's a good asset for teams to utilize mm, uh, honestly no, not really i think I think Tanner kind of has it right here there's not the, the level of players that are being drafted are not necessarily major league soccer level, and i don 't think anyone expects them necessarily to be at that level right away but you know for a team like the union what's what's the motivation for them to draft players when they have a usl team that they can you know filter their academy guys through or or assign players that they can assign from a wider wider pool of players that they can bring in i I mean i don't know what the motivation is for them to you know to get all excited about the draft when they have other resources that they can use that are maybe even uh, more functional
2: Doesn't doesn't this illustrate the problem within U.S. soccer structure? That here's MLS, this up and coming league, growing now. It has surpassed the college ranks, well past college ranks, in the point that it's almost insignificant, meaningless. So if you're a youngster, you can't get into an MLS academy. What do you do? You go to college. Well, if you can't go pro, what what are you doing, right? So MLS has a really tough task on. What to do, but this is a, a broader issue is what's the college game even worth anymore? If the coaching, if the development of players there are so putrid that it's US, USL level, then just make the draft USL based and you allow MLS teams to start buying for some money for USL. So you, you create a market for players and you allow youngsters to go get ex- professional experience. But you allow MLS to do their own thing. Maybe, maybe this is you know tinfoil Ted here. I
1: look at the draft. I mean, I've spoken to people who do play collegiate soccer, who have played collegiate soccer, and they tell me how how it's not necessarily the coaching, but it's it's the scheduling that's brutal on them. You know, playing two games a week uh, is pretty tough on a lot of these guys because a they're not pros and. B, be you know they have to, and they need to impress. So you know sitting out with an injury may not be an option for some of these guys because they want to improve their stock and they'll play through injury, and that just that just uh, hampers them later on in their career. It, the the draft I think coaching wise there is there is some value there. I know many people have talked great about their college coaches, but I think it's just a format that's just really bad and really brutal on the body, and it's it makes people. I know a guy, D1 player, doesn't want to play pro. That that shouldn't be that shouldn't be an expectation. I, mean, I, I feel like you know, like you should always have the aspiration to go pro. But he he just says no, I don't want to go pro. I mean, college game is kind of you know, my knees my knees hurt, everything hurts. Like I don't know if I want to play. It's, it's stuff it's stuff like that. And the college game itself, Emma's teams are punting on a draft now. I think Montreal traded all their picks last year, and now the Union have done it as well. Look, I, I, I said this to Steven multiple times. If you're not a GA player, if I was a GM, I would only draft generation of players. They don't go against your – they they don't count as a cap hit basically. And also, you know what? If it, if they don't work out because they're not a cap hit, all right, it doesn't affect, your cap doesn't affect your spending. Who cares? Move on. And they're the best players. They're probably going to be the best players available in this draft, uh, which is why i mean, carrying on to another uh, topic or another conversation. I don't – think Philadelphia uh, or the, the Cincinnati made the right deal in acquiring these late-round first-round picks, these usually don't pan out as much. If you go top five, top eight, top ten, you have a higher success rate. But these later ones, okay, you're filling out your roster, but like, so what? You know, half these guys don't develop, and they're usually just really poor. I don't know. That's just my, my two cents in the draft and how it's kind of just depreciating. The, the combine is going to go away. Like, what are – like, what – wait, what's – like, what are we actually valuing here? I think the draft should be two rounds deep. And, like, I think Steve made a good point. Make the rest of the draft made for the USL. Make the USL draft. I, I think it was an Indiana player who actually went straight to the USL and
3: uh, didn't return for college. Let them develop there. Not- yeah, I think looking at college, the college game is not set up in an optimal way to develop players. I mean, what – we talked about you. You talked about Armand, um, the physical difficulties and the grind that it, it puts on your body. And what are the how many how many months does the season span? Three, four months. I think Whereas, it's shorter.
1: It's like a little. Is it is it a little shorter or a little? It, it might
3: be shorter than that. I mean, yeah. But so if we assume that it's a couple of months long, where players around the rest of the world or players even in America who aren't playing in the college game are playing 10, 11 months out of the year. So I mean, I don't. The fact that we look at the draft now and we're, we're questioning it is a good thing. How, how do we expect players to come out of college and be professional level players? It's, it's not realistic. So I think we're going to see more, less and less emphasis on, from MLS teams on the draft. And we're also going to see fewer and fewer top talents going to college and playing there.
2: No, you're you're right, Joseph. So, I mean, this is exactly my point. This college game does not develop anybody. So what's the point of MLS putting stock into it? So I, MLS has a tough task here ahead trying to figure out, but there's USL and USL has rebranded itself. So why not allow the D3 leagues or the D2 or, sorry the the second and third league within usl to get some of these college players at a younger age and then you start to build a market and you allow these players to grow i mean what is the philosophy of usl for especially in in the third or was it so you have usl the championship in league one right am i getting it confused now
1: yeah, championship, League One, League Two. League, League, League Two is more
2: amateur. Amateur, yeah. League Two, allow these colleges to come into League Two. And then maybe League One says, oh, that's a good player. And then you get into USL, and maybe MLS takes a flyer on a, on a young guy or a cheap guy. There is no market structure within US soccer allowed allow players to move up like you see in other leagues where, you know, we all know the famous story of Jamie Vardy, but even in Golo Conte, where did he come from? Was the second division league, League Ligue 2 in France?
1: I, I, I think specifically they should just make a USL draft. And I think you're right, Stephen, make a USL draft and go and, and go from there. But there's gonna have to be more investment in USL for a player to to say, Hey look, I'm willing to make twenty twenty-five K a year over like what I can make graduating with a degree. And that's the big issue, right? Didn't uh we saw what Brandon Vincent retire at a young age uh he had a Stanford degree uh I think it was like 24 we've seen a lot of players now retire I know a co- I think it was a couple of FC Dallas guys uh, I can't remember their names uh, I think Timo Pitter and uh something uh Bonner I forgot his name uh he had a really good Instagram name uh that one time yeah his, his Instagram name was Raging Bonner so if, if that's a any uh, great top five top five instagram names i've ever seen one and the mls, MLS page put it on there i just can't remember his first Ooh. name but these guys retire and they make more money with their college degrees so there has to be more investment into usl uh before i think players are like oh hey i'm going to take that risk or something like that because it's not sustainable right. to be honest you to play in that league for as long as they do last boss joseph last boss joseph yeah i was gonna say
3: no, I think, I think we're basically all on the same page here. I think USL continuing to develop and get more exposure will help, will help provide an alternative for college players because I mean, we see it, we see it happening right now. The MLS draft is being devalued by the teams that do the drafting. So I think USL is, is a very good option or, you know, we could you know revitalize the college game and give them a nine month schedule, but we all know that's not going to happen. So yeah, it's, it's a tough situation.
1: So let's talk about another philosophical difference. And I think Steven is really excited to talk about this. Yes, uh, I know Joseph might be as well, but I think oh, his excitement was all used for the U.S. Men's National Team segment. <laughs> um, it's a philosophy between FC Dallas and Atlanta United. And specifically these two, I think a quote popped up to me and Steven. Uh, he was uh, Luchi Gonzalez, the new head coach at FC Dallas. I actually have a couple of interviews with him on Pro Soccer USA. i got to plug it again. The FC Dallas quota. You know how it is. Um, We've
2: maxed that quota
1: Yeah, we've maxed that quota Uh, He spoke about, you know Using the academy to win championships And sell young players He says to Extra Time Radio FC Dallas has a unique opportunity To use the academy to both win championships And sell young players Just like the best clubs in uh, Portugal, Holland Belgium and Croatia do Uh, There isn't one way to win MLS It doesn't have to be development or winning We believe we can do both Now the Atlanta United method seems to be a lot different. They seem to buy up – they seem to buy up-and-coming South American players, put them in their – put them on their squad and, you know, spend lots of money. So there's a huge debate between, hey, can you develop to win or do you buy and develop – that already developed talent to win? I think it's a really interesting
2: dynamic. Yes, Armand, perfect. This leads to my question. When is the last time an MLS winner, name it, Joseph or Armand, or just a tweet as Unc Sam Soccer Pod, that won based on the Academy? Because quite frankly, I haven't seen that. And we can go through the list if you want. Yeah, I was actually pull up the list. I mean,
3: but... do the do we count this past season's Red Bulls as winning or as using their Academy to get them at least to a supporter's shield, that's a genuine question. I don't know.
2: If- I think yes, you can. That's a good good point. But uh, let's just. Th-
1: but no, th- we talk about no, 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 But let's. But here, but, but the way I think about it is this, and my mentality has changed. Uh, I used to think the supporter's shield had meaning.
2: No one cares. <laughs> the cover us. I that's fair,
1: cover, I fair. That's fair. Arman,
2: Armand, Armand has uh, finally made the the walk of faith to my side. Welcome, well, here's buddy. The thing. I mean, Welcome. when you
1: when you when you when you uh, uh, look through, um, you know. Just his the, the history, and you see a team. No one talks about uh, the Red Bulls being Supporters Shield, and this is being someone in MLS media. Yep, we care, but three no and one six talks years, and no one cares. No three one cares. Three and six
2: years. It's three. the
1: Red Bulls always choke when they go to MLS Cup or MLS playoffs? That's what we talk about. No one talks about the whole
2: uh, Supporters Shield. That's crap. All right, uh, but so Atlanta this past year they spent. Toronto in 2017 they spent. How about Seattle in 2016? They spend yes or no.
1: Yes, yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. Uh, Portland in 2015, two to one win over Columbus, they spent money. Correct? Yeah, yeah.
3: 2014,
2: LA Galaxy versus the Revs, both clubs spent money.
1: Was that the Jermaine Jones game?
2: Yep. The Jermaine Jones spent. Play- yep. So you can go on through the list. I I'm sorry, but the just the last five years what team has won on academy what team has developed a team to go on to win now selling players to make money is one thing we we just saw FC Dallas make a wonderful deal yet he had not contributed a single second to uh MLS or FC Dallas in on the field play or even you know anything like that yeah sure they made money but I, I think going after young players and developing through the the academy is a lot more difficult in MLS than it is in Portugal, Holland, Belgium, Switzerland, Croatia—all these smaller nations.
3: And can I jump in? I—I I think I agree with you, Stephen. Why is it more difficult for a team like FC Dallas, as an example, to develop talent and you know compete for a championship than you know teams in the Netherlands or teams in Portugal and Belgium, et cetera? What what makes it more challenging?
2: That that's. Wh- that's a great well, question. My, well, my, my
1: my guess is this. You're not going to keep that talent for long, right? So you're not – if unless you do not play a guy's – you're not like, for example, Paxton, Paul McCall, et cetera. He's not been playing much, so he's not really on the radar of specific teams. But as soon as a guy starts playing – what, Reggie Cannon played one season. He's on the radar. He had offers from teams uh, this past season. And you want to know why? Because they're cheap undervalued talent this is why they we we speak about this quote-unquote uh market inefficiency that i've kind of coined um that these american-based talents are they're not valued as high on the transfer market and they're cheap and teams are starting to take notice so what happens if a player does well after one one or two seasons he's gone is that ample enough time to develop a player to for a championship winning team? Armand,
2: Armand, I, I think you're overstating it. How if if this were the case, we'd see a lot more players flee fleeing MLS. It would be the Brazilian league where players are well, leaving well, halfway through the season. But but but
1: they. Need, but here's the thing: they're cheap, undervalued talent, right? But they still need more time to sh- to show that they're cheap, undervalued talent. That makes sense because the perception of American players is
2: kind of meh. Right, but if that, if that makes any sense. But I think you that's one point. I think there's also the coaching dynamic because I read interview after interview and God, who was it? Now I'm drawing a blank, but one of the players was basically telling, I don't remember where I read this, so forgive me, was saying that the coaches worry too much about the results. What are they playing for?
1: Hey, that was my interview, baby.
2: <laughs> that was my interview. Was it canon? canon? Yeah, it was. I'll pull it up. While you talk about it. Alright, but Canon there was basically saying that there's too much focus on the result that they don't get the opportunity to play the young kids. And then you, you but then how's that possible that they do that in Europe? And you're not playing you're playing for Champions League, Europa League football, but when you lose, there's a potential possibility of relegation. That doesn't exist in MLS. So the excuses of not playing young kids in MLS is what?
1: So, Do you want me to read the Kennan quote for you? Sure. Uh, he goes, I think in Europe, if they see potential in you, they'll give you a chance. But in MLS, I feel like we've got to get these three points this weekend, and whatever is going to make that happen, we're going to do it. They may not play the kids already, and I think it's hindering some of them, and that's why kids are going to Europe. I think MLS has gotten a lot better at it, especially FC Dallas. I mean, we're, we're playing a 20-year-old every single game. Uh, I think MLS is getting a lot better, and I think FC Dallas kind of shaped that model. But I just gotta tell the kids in the league it's actually worth it. And
3: that's what Cannon said to me. And why? It's such an interesting perspective. Why shouldn't MLS be the league where you can play your kids? There is no relegation. The Rapids aren't getting relegated. The Earthquakes aren't getting relegated. <laughs> exactly. Why are teams? This I mean, this is just my constant question. Why are teams so hesitant to to play the Pax and Palmaquales, or you know, to play the Bucios, to play the Bellows? I, it just – it boggles my mind because if you – oh, you drop a couple points. Oh, no. Like what's – I mean it's – there's little risk basically from my perspective. Yeah, it's a results-driven league still. Coaches want to win. Players want to win. The best players are going to be the ones out there on the field. But I'm not convinced that it's an impossible model for FC Dallas and Luchi Gonzalez to implement. They have a better academy infrastructure than a lot of other teams in the league do – and they are producing talent. I mean, we saw it at the, the CONCACAF U20 championships with Servania and Palma Cal sort of bossing the field, at least from my perspective. So I think the infrastructure is is starting to appear at some clubs are farther along than others. But whether it's a winnable, whether you can win with the philosophy, whether you can win an MLS Cup with the philosophy, I'm not sure we'll find out the actual answer to that within the next few years. I think it could take several years for us to to get a solid answer to that question. But I'm excited to see what FC Dallas are going to look like. Uh, And I think if you produce the talent and you play the talent and it is genuine talent, I don't see why you couldn't win games with it.
2: So uh, I think, uh, I think, Armand, you alluded to this. If you think about the European leagues, Belgium, Croatia, Switzerland, Portugal, so on go through the list, players, if these clubs play the youngsters – You can make a pretty penny off them. In MLS, you're getting crap, right? So, if FC Dallas is producing these talents now, like, say, a Tyler, even with the Red Bulls, they're not getting near as much as if these players were the same age playing at the equivalent of that club in Europe. Like, I always wonder what would Chris Richards cost a club in, say, Belgium? For Bayern Munich, would he have costed them three or four million versus the one point five that FC Dallas got?
1: It and that's the thing, the it's undervalued thing. So when a player is, is going to come up and you know is reaching, you know, because a lot of these players that come in kind of raw and they work and they and then they work their way up with experience. I mean, Cannon didn't come in and boom off the scenes immediately. It was like, wow, this guy's amazing. No, he worked his way and developed confidence going up and down the pitch. And that's when we started talking about oh wow, Reggie Cannon might be one of the best right backs in MLS. That's when we started talking about the, the, these things. Not not from the get go. So it takes time for these guys to develop. And I don't think we've even seen the best of Reggie Cannon just yet. And as soon as that happens, they're gone. And they're gone because they're cheap. Yeah. No, that's the most
2: important thing. But the the juxtaposition with Atlanta is not like Atlanta's going out there and signing fifty million players. They're still signing young players hoping to make A pretty penny off of them so the philosophies aren't necessarily all that different what is unique is atlanta spends the money to bring in young talent from south america fc dallas is looking within and obviously fc dallas has had some sort of success over the course of the last couple seasons but it's always caught them short atlanta i think maybe learned their first year and that was ultimately got them over the top this past season where they won mls cup so, you're. I think Joe Joseph, you're completely correct in the sense that we don't really know which philosophy is going to go further or is going to be more successful in the long run. I would really like to see a team really invest in their youth, hold on to them, and then be an Ajax where you know they suddenly cause a stir in an MLS where they you know this team out of nowhere gets pretty far in MLS not because they spent the money or they have these veteran players because they got you know twenty twenty five year olds playing consistently and there's seven or eight of them that you'd be like wow this player could go here that player can go there he's you know he's potential MVP blah 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 let's see that progress
3: and i I'd, I'd love to see that sort of thing while you were making that point i I sort of realized maybe that another issue with there being an Ajax type team in MLS is you know you you were saying let's get the twenty four twenty five year olds out there and playing and by the time that the just using Paxton Palmical as an example by the time that Paxton Palmical is twenty four do we actually think he'll still be in MLS and I guess this exactly. kind of goes back to what Armand was saying exactly it, the players aren't sticking around and and partially it's because we're pushing them to go other places right I'm I mean we want. Tyler Adams to go to Leipzig. We want Weston McKinney to leave FC Dallas's Academy and go play for Schalke as U19s and then for the first team. So it's like we want both things, but we can't have both things, at least right now.
2: But I, I, I do think it's – we haven't seen enough players make the move yet. We we see them sprinkle. It's starting to sprinkle. The question is when's the heavy pour coming because that's following. The next couple of years, I think you'll just see more and more and more, right? I mean, just think about the last two weeks in news. How many players were in between going to Europe or signing with an MLS club? Right, the res exactly. were stuck between those. Uh, the player, the Revs signed, was stuck between, I think, Celtic and I forget the Fulham maybe. Now I'm just reaching out for clubs here. But what were they going to do? Right. So mm-hmm. it, it's a real interesting discussion. Uh, Armand, last point. Well, the,
1: even I just want to go back to this point real quick. I think the way that we look at relegation and promotion in this country at this stage is playoffs. Um, I think it's, do you make the playoffs or not? And that's where the pressure comes. And I know we can say relegation is, isn't, you know, it's not here, but making the playoffs is a real thing. And, you know, owners have expectations. They want to make playoffs. They want to, you know, be involved in that, you know, postseason uh, whatever, get the money from the tournament, uh, the postseason tournament as well. And, you know, make it because that's that's the level that's our litmus test for success in MLS. It's not getting promoted or relegated. It's are you gonna be one of the fifth uh, one of the twelve teams out of twenty or fourteen teams out of twenty-four to make the playoffs. Jeez, that's a terrible number. Um it it it's it, so it, it's really that's a really interesting debate that you could have right there. The prop the, the thing is and I'm gonna, you know, I guess so back to my my initial point is that I don't think we're gonna see the players reach their fruition to be at that level to compete for a championship uh uh because they're gonna be they're being plucked away uh for I guess prices that MLS teams will take you're gonna take one point five million for Chris Richards at FC Dallas, especially when you're balling on a budget. You know, that's that's great numbers uh for, for you. And the thing is that the thing I would like to see is if a guy like George Bellow, which I know is Joseph, one of Joseph's you know, favorite little uh, homegrown players. Uh, if a guy like George Bellow can break into Atlanta, now all of a sudden you kind of have a situation. And maybe an Andrew Carlton, if he's not partying before the MLS Cup. Um, you're going to have a situation where you have some homegrown Spirginel spending. And you know, I hate to be that moderate, but if we can get that – Hybrid of both. Well, the dog. Now we're Arman, talking, You're
2: making way now, too much sense for MLS now, and MLS now, executives. They're not going to listen. Now, now you, we're
1: talking. Now we're talking you, about you know.
2: You have hit the sunlight in platonic terms.
1: It now, now, now we're, now we're hitting it. But I think teams are are more extreme at this at this stage. It's we want to save as much money as we can and develop our own talent, like the Rapids are trying to do, like FC Dallas is, like like um, Red Bulls. I would even Red Bulls is more towards that moderate.
2: He
0: well, spent
1: seven million on Kaku. Like even though he kind of was kind of boo boo for the last uh, half of the season, uh, he's still he's still a seven million dollars signing. Um, I'm forgetting a team Union. There we go. The Union. Well, there's more. These
2: guys, those guys. So you're making way too much sense for, for sorry a, man MLS. Sorry. That hey,
1: the... hire me as a GM. I'll pick all your <laughs> GAs. I'll implement the academy and, and make you spend your money. Like come on. Come on, always. hire me,
2: Joseph. We want to give you the opportunity to plug where we can find your work, your Twitter, anything else you wanted to, to plug here on Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. Go ahead.
3: I appreciate that. Yeah, you can find me. Uh, my written work for the Athletic, um, or you know, if you you really like reading, you know, mediocre to average tweets, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe and Cleats. And you know, if I if I have any written work for anybody else, you'll see it there. So that's that's where you can find me.
2: Perfect, Tune in tomorrow for another episode. At the end of the week, the full episode will be put together, so if you miss any of the segments, don't want to go back. You can just wait for the full one. till next time.
0: From regular expenses to occasional splurges, there's a lot to buy. Why not get cash back every time you spend? With the PenFed Power Cash Rewards Card, you get cash back on every purchase. That's everywhere, every time you use it. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Visit PenFed.org PowerCash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCOA. The available AKG 36-speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360-degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.